right, everybody. How many guys are excited to be at New Life today? Man. Now, look, that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear because today is going to be a great day. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff. We have got water baptisms that are happening at all of our campuses and all of our venues. And so here at New Life Church, man, we celebrate water baptisms. So here's what's going to happen. If you've never been here before, if you're a guest with us, I just want to, like, give you a chance to practice. What's going to happen at the end of my message, you know, like three hours from now. So the... When the worship team comes up, you guys brought lunch, right? You guys got the memo? Like, bring something? No, I was joking. Just joking. All right, so, uh, so at the end of this message, man, our worship team is going to come up, and in all of our venues, we're going to have uh, baptisms that are going to happen. And we got 14 people getting baptized at New Life today. Come on. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but when they get baptized, worship music's playing, you know, and the band's rocking out, and it's your opportunity to cheer. You cheer when the person gets baptized. So let's just practice as if someone just went into the water and they came out. So let me hear it for water baptisms. Come on. All right. Man. All right. That's all I ask. Now, if you have like a high-pitched kind of like, you know, scream, like direct it downward. You know what I'm saying? So the person in front of you can still hear the rest of the day. Okay. Uh, No, that's going to be awesome. It's going to be a blast. You guys came uh, in the middle of a a series that we entitled The Call. And I entitled this series The Call for a reason. Like, I wanted to take us back to what it would have been like if we would have been the fishermen at the Sea of Galilee when Jesus came along and he made the famous call and he said these words, come, follow me. Or when he came to Matthew, a tax collector, in the streets, and he says to this man, hey, come follow me. Like, like what would have, it would have been amazing to be there, wouldn't it have been? I mean, that just would have been incredible for Jesus to have picked you out of a crowd of people and said, come follow me. One of the reasons why they dropped everything and went to follow Jesus was because it was very, very popular in that day for a rabbi like Jesus to come by and to say to you as an adolescent to pick you out of school and to say, I want that person to come and follow me. Like, I want them to be a pupil of mine. I want to teach them my yoke. I want to teach them, you know, the interpretation of God's law. I want them to learn these ways and then reproduce this in their ministry wherever they go. And so it was almost kind of like traveling, if you will, um, college classes. And so you'd be asked to come and follow this rabbi. Well, the disciples dropped their nets. They walked away from their businesses like tax collecting. They left all of that for a a really key reason. Here's, Here's one of the key reasons. They were all adults, meaning that they had been overlooked in the round one. Now, you guys that watch sports, you know how important it is to be selected in round one in a draft. You know what I mean? And if you don't watch sports, I want you to go back to elementary school when we stood against the wall and we got picked to play kickball or dodgeball. And who, who always wanted to be the first one that got picked? I wanted to be one of the first ones that got picked. Why? Because I didn't want to be the last guy standing on the wall. Right? Okay, you got it. You understand that feeling. And some of you, 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 you felt the pain of that. Okay, so they got overlooked in round one. Here comes round two. Jesus looks at them and says, guess what? I still see something incredible in you. Why don't you drop everything that you're doing right now and come follow me? So they drop it all and they go to follow him. Now for them, that's really exciting, right? And then they start hearing these rumors like, hey, the guy we're following, people are saying that this dude's going to be the king 
of the Jews. Like, wow, we got super lucky. Now, not only did we make the right choice in following him, but he's going to be popular and powerful. Guess what we're going to be? Popular and powerful. That was not a trick question, church, all right? So we're going to be popular and powerful. Like, this is going to be incredible. This is the best thing that's ever happened to us. Little did they know that the call, the call to follow Jesus wasn't just an ordinary call. In fact, for all of the disciples minus one, they would learn this lesson. They would learn the lesson that the call to follow me on day one turned into the call to die for me at the end. And there was a big journey that went from the call to follow me to the call to die for me. And it's along that journey that you hear more and more of the call of Christ speaking into the life of a person. And that's the whole journey of Christianity, is to go from the call to follow me to figure out how to continue to die to self so that Christ can live. And so throughout this series, The Call, we're looking at these moments where Jesus kept asking for more and more and more of his followers. And so today, we're going we're gonna to not wrap up the series, but we're going to land today on a call, the call to make disciples. The call to make disciples, the call to make disciples, the call to make a follower of Jesus is something that every believer is called to do, by the way. In fact, there was such an important call that's found in Matthew. It's found in Mark. Okay, it's found in Luke. It's found in John. It's found in the book of Acts. Like the first five books of the New Testament, the call to make disciples, the call for every believer to reproduce their spirituality into the heart of another person or people or masses is spoken about in one fashion or another in the first five books, and then it's reinforced in the rest of the New Testament. That, I would say to you, is a pretty powerful call when you just can't get away from it. So here's what it sounds like in the book of Mark. It says, and then he told them, that's Jesus, Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So the call to make disciples is Jesus really kind of like passing the torch, or he's passing the mantle, or he's passing his mission on. Like one of the reasons why the church even exists today is because we have this call to make disciples. If it wasn't that way, then the minute that you would have surrendered your life to Jesus and you would have said, Jesus, you are Lord of Lords, you're King of Kings, I confess that I'm a sinner and I need you, I wanna follow you for the rest of my days, poof, you're gone. But there's a reason why we don't just poof and be gone at a moment like that, and that's because there is a call that Jesus wants us now to live out. And the call is to pick up where he left off and keep following the mandate of making disciples. So it's so important that at New Life Church, we made a core value around it. Core values, they, they should direct an organization. Core values should mandate to an organization and a church, you know, why do you do what you do? And core values should be so important that you should be able to like track the core value and make sure that the core value is something that is actually being accomplished. It's not just good verbiage on a wall. And so one of the, the core values that we have that, you know, fit this mandate, this call to make disciples, we just call it this, growing people change. For us, making a disciple is all about growing people changing. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been around this church for 20 years, 30 years, 40, 50 years, one of the things you should be expecting of yourself 
look, this is what you should be expecting of yourself, is that three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, your spiritual life doesn't look the same. That your spiritual life should constantly be growing into the likeness and to the character of Christ. Like if you looked back a year ago, could you say that your life looks more like Jesus now than it did a year ago? Because that's what, that's what growing people do. Growing people change. Now, if you're a new believer or you're a seeker of God right now, like you have yet to really commit your heart completely to Jesus, but you're seeking him, wanting to know, Jesus, are you the way and the truth and the life? I just want to say to you, no matter what campus you're at or what venue you're in, you're at a good church and you're welcome here because this is a place where we want people to be seeking God. If you're a new believer, man, I'm so excited that you're here today. But one of the things that growing people change that value in a new believer or seeker, it should show up in really demonstrative ways. Like you should see significant life change taking place. You should see, you know, moral changes taking place, lining up your life with God's, God's word. You, you should see, you know, yourself <clears throat> um, even believing things totally different than you did even like 30 days ago. And, and it's very much like a baby. Like <clears throat> when you see a baby growing, a baby makes massive changes quickly. Like all of a sudden, a baby goes from not saying anything to what's their very first words? Dada. Okay. Um, <laughs> or did you see, have you guys, you guys seen that commercial like with one of those, like I forget what it is, but they, they've got like an Alexa with a video thing and the daddy's in there and he's like, come on, say dada, say dada, say dada. And then the baby goes, mama, <laughs> you know? And the mom's watching it on the other side, and she just goes, ouch. Like, that's, that's classic. You're right. The baby typically learns how to say no first. Okay. Um, but a baby, like, all of a sudden, a baby speaks, and then a baby walks, and a baby gets motor skills, right? And it's crazy, like, the leaps and the bounds that happen. Well, that's, that's growing, and as that growth happens, there's change that takes place. And the same thing, we're just saying the same thing takes place in your spiritual life. And so that's why it's a core value. So one thing then is true for every Christian. Every Christian, everybody that calls themselves a Christ follower, is that we should always, and I stress the word always, always be changing because of our growth. We should be changing because of the investment that's being made into us. But we should also be changing because of the investment that we're making into others. It goes both ways. And that, the investment that we're making into others and the investment that's being made into us, that, in, in the essence of it, is the atmosphere where disciple-making takes place. The best place for that, if I can just take a side note, the best place for that to happen at New Life Church is through our life groups. It's in our life groups that our life group leaders are living the example right now in our church in a fantastic way they're living out the call of what it means to make a disciple. They're living it out because, see, they're sitting in meetings where they're being trained and equipped by Pastor Nate and others. And then they're taking up time, you know, to, to like open up their home and prepare lessons so they can invest into others. Like they're creating the, the beautiful atmosphere of what it means to make a disciple. And I just have to do this right now. Like if you're one of our team leaders or assistant team leaders in the leadership pipeline with our life groups, you're a life group leader or an assistant life group leader, would you just stand really quick? Because I just want to honor you for the incredible work that you're doing in helping us make disciples for real come on no matter who you are or no matter where you're at come on that's right 
I love it. I love it. Really good. Really good. All right. And you know what? People were standing in all of our venues and all of our campuses because there's a value to make disciples. And these guys are part of the champions. Like, they're helping us just drive this forward. And so life group leaders, follow me on this one, all right? And the entire church. Like, one of the reasons... One of the reasons why I can get so excited about making a spiritual investment into others is because of some of the powerful truths of God's word. And one of the scriptures that inspires me to make a spiritual impact in others is Romans chapter 10. Check it out in verse 13. It says this. In fact, everybody read this one with me, okay? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that good news? That just means this, that nobody who has ever lived, no matter what their background was, what country they came from, what color their skin was, right? No matter what their last name was, no matter who's on this earth today or who will be on this earth after our days are over, that everyone, there is no one who is carved out. There is no one who is isolated out. There is no one who is rejected against the big X Everyone, every person who has been, who is, and who ever walk on the face of this earth, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news. That's what gives me hope to preach. And so that people, somehow, some way, will call on the name of the Lord and say, I need you, Jesus. Like, I need you, man. Like, I need water. Right? I need you. I need to follow you all the days of my life. Like, I need to surrender my life to you. I need you to be my leader and to be my Lord. And although that's a very straightforward and encouraging scripture, here's what that scripture is backed up with, though. Here's what comes right after it. It says this, But how can they call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? So here you have, before we keep reading, just stay, focus back here for a second. Everybody who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Powerful, encouraging, amazing. The very next verse. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Okay, that makes sense. And then how can they believe in him unless, they, unless they've never heard about him? Okay, got that. And then how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Oh, man, that's getting personal. And then how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. This is the picture of what it means to follow Jesus and his call to make disciples. It's right here. It's loaded right inside of Romans chapter 10. And so what I want to do for you is I want to do a little bit of reverse engineering on this Romans chapter 10 passage. What is the objective in this Romans chapter 10 passage? It was found in verse 13. What's the objective? For everyone to be saved, right? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so if we're going to reverse engineer that, what, what comes right before being saved out of Romans chapter 10? Here's what it is, that they must believe. you got to believe to be saved. So how does a person believe? Romans chapter 10, again, what, it, what was it saying to us? It was saying these words, that they have to hear. So you got to hear to believe, then to be saved. So then... What comes before hearing? Here's what it is. Someone has to tell them. I mean, Romans chapter 10 just breaks it down piece by piece by piece. So someone tells them so they can hear, so they can believe, so they can be saved. But then there was one more that came before that. Remember what it was? The person telling must be sent by Jesus. 
There's like a person has to have the call, feel the call, surrender to the call that Jesus gave the entire church to go and make disciples. They have to say, I will answer that call and I'll be sent. So if you want to summarize this passage, you would summarize it basically right down to these few words. For someone to call on Jesus, whoever calls on Jesus shall be saved. Someone has to answer the call from Jesus. And that's where we're at right now. We're at this place where all of us are being presented with this call to go and make disciples. And here's one thing I know about the gracious love of God is that since God says everyone has an opportunity to be saved, that means that God loves every human being and God then has a plan to make sure that somebody has been called to make sure that that person hears the good news about Jesus. And here's what I know then about God's ultimate plan is that he's called every single believer with a mission, by the way, not just this you know, ambiguous type of call. He's got a purposeful call for you that if you'll answer the call, he's got someone in the wings waiting for you to answer the call so that they can call on Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Like since it's so vital and eternity rests on it, if I was God, I would never, never put us in the play because we would mess it up every time. But in somehow in God's unique wisdom, God says these words, like, everyone's called, I want to give everybody the chance, but here's how the play gets ran. I throw the ball to you first, church, and then you help hand it off to the person who's going to call on Jesus. And you're like, seriously? Like, after all that you did, like, sending your son to die on the cross, there's still, like, something that we have to do? We have to answer the call from Jesus so that someone can call on Jesus? Yep. God uniquely designed you and me to be a, a beautiful picture in the process. And he's prepared someone who's waiting to call on Jesus while he's waiting for you to accept the call. And for some of you, you're thinking to yourself, well, man, that's a bad plan because God doesn't know my life. As a man, if you knew my life, I'm nowhere near qualified. That's true. Neither am I. None of us are qualified. It's only by God's grace that he gives us the ability to be a part of his beautiful plan. And in Acts chapter 8, he gives us a great example of, you know, someone who answers the call from Jesus so that others can call on Jesus. And that is Philip, one of the disciples. Philip, in Acts chapter 8, the, the book opens up and the chapter opens up and Philip has got this successful ministry going on in this region called Samaria. And he's been ministering in these multiple, you know, different communities. And God's been doing some amazing miracles. It, it's pow the power of the Holy Spirit's moving through his life and people are being saved left and right. So much so that the disciples have to send a couple of more disciples up to be with Philip just to see what in the world's going on. Because it's as if Philip has this ministry that's too large for even him to handle. And in the middle of all of this success, an angel of the Lord comes to Philip and says these words, Philip, hey, by the way, great job up here. I'm going to call you to go do some ministry on a road. Now, now look, let's just be honest here, right? When, when pastors have successful ministries, one of the things that they're thinking the call would come next would be to a larger church. 
right? Like, God, you called me to this small village. Now you're going to call me to the metropolitan area. Like, that's it, God, right? More influence, bigger. But God says to Philip, you've got this successful ministry. I'm going to call you to this, like, road. It goes south out of Jerusalem down to Gaza. That's it, a road. It's not even a town. It's not even a village. It's not even a place where you can build a house. It's not even a place where you'd build a church. It's a road. Like, that's totally opposite of what... (laughs) You know, a lot of people think of in ministry what the call will sound like next. But guess what he does? He packs it all up, and boom, he's down there on that road. And now while he's standing on the road, guess what he's doing? He's like, okay, now, God, now what do you want me to do? Like, you called me to this road. What do you want me to do now? And here's what happens in Acts chapter 8. It said that the Holy Spirit said to Philip, good, now you're on the road. Now go over and walk alongside, beside the, the, uh, the carriage. Philip ran over. He didn't just walk over, right? He ran over, and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, hey, sir, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and to sit with him. Now, this man is not, we're not given his name, but we are giving more of, in essence, a title, or given the fact that he is what's referred to in the Bible as the Ethiopian eunuch. It's a a man with a lot of authority. In fact, this man would be like the treasurer to the queen of Ethiopia. He had a lot of money. One of the reasons why we know he had a lot of money is he's riding in a carriage. Another thing we know about him, the reason why he's got a lot of money is because he has an actual scroll of Isaiah, like where many communities, the, the Jewish people of that community would go together and pitch in to buy a scroll, protect it, and then share it because they were so expensive. It was a one-off, a handwritten scroll of the book of Isaiah. He's got one to himself, and he's reading from it. So we know that this man has influence. Another thing we know about this man is that he, he knows something about the one true living God enough that he has been willing to make a long journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem so that he can worship God. He can worship God. But we know something about him as well, and it's this, that he's never heard about Jesus. The Ethiopian had never heard enough to actually believe in Jesus, which It makes an important point at this moment that if a person is going to believe in Jesus, what did they have to do? Remember, reverse engineering, Romans chapter 10, they had to hear, right? Someone had to tell them. So here's what's interesting is that the Ethiopian had someone who was telling him he was hearing portions and pieces of the one true living God, but he didn't have the full picture. And so for you and me, one of the good points about answering the call to make make a disciple is that it doesn't all totally land on your shoulders. That many times for a person to end up believing and calling upon the name of Jesus to be saved, they had to hear from multiple people. Philip was just one person in this. But the Ethiopian, he invited Philip into his carriage to tell him more about what he was reading. Basically, the Ethiopian is saying this to Philip. Hey, get into my carriage and help me believe, man. Help me believe because I don't have a clue what I'm reading right now. And here's, that's an interesting point, though, right? Many of you, you're reading God's Word, but you're not understanding it. And one of the reasons why you're reading, but you're not understanding is because you've never invited anybody to read with you. You've never gotten yourself into, now I'm going to point back to life groups, you never put yourself into a life group where you're studying God's Word together. I'm just going to tell you right now that if you're missing out on some of the truth of God's word, it's because you're not doing it with others. The Ethiopian was smart enough to recognize, 
I don't think I'm going to be able to understand this all on my own. Over time, give me some time, I can figure it out. But if you join me, Philip, guess what will happen? We'll expedite my learning. We'll take it to another level. I'll glean things quicker and faster. Like iron will sharpen iron, right? And so one of the things I want to challenge you with is this. Get into a life group. Study God's word with others. But here's what the Ethiopian was reading. Remember what he was reading? The, he was reading the scroll of Isaiah. Now, the scroll then would not have been broken down like your Bible. Your Bible today has got scripture where it's broken into, you know, book, and then it's broken into chapter, and it's broken into verse. Well, that came years and years later. So right now, he's just got this long scroll. But we know, because of what he was reading, we know where he was reading now in our Bible, which is the same scripture he was reading, but it's broken into chapter and verse. We know he was reading out of Isaiah chapter 53. Mark that down. You're going to want to read that later. The Ethiopian reading out of Isaiah chapter 53, like of all chapters in the Old Testament he could be reading out of, he picked the one that was like the Mount Everest of old prophecy talking about the Messiah, Jesus, who was going to come and the sacrifice that he was going to make. There is no other chapter in the Old Testament that's chalked, packed full, full of prophecy talking about the Messiah, Jesus, who's going to come and give his life on the cross. And of all people, guess who's walking alongside of the chariot? One of the 12. Like, that's no coincidence, guys. That is no coincidence that's happening at that very moment, at that time. So what does Philip do with it? It's a very simple verse, but I wanted you to see it. It says, so beginning with this same scripture, Philip did what? Read it with me. Philip told him the good news about Jesus. So you don't, to be, to answer the call to make a disciple, you don't have to be a rocket scientist you don't have to be a, a Bible wizard. You don't have to, you know, be a theologian. You don't have to be a life group leader. Here's what you have to be. You've got to be someone who's willing to begin with. Like, I got it, right? For Philip to answer the call to, you know, move from Samaria down to a, a desert road, you've got to really have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. That was difficult. And then to be on that road... And then to say, okay, now where do you want me? And then to walk alongside a chariot? Okay, that's, that's going to take a little gumption as well. But once he gets beyond the difficult part, guess what he finds out? Oh, I'm uniquely qualified to share my faith with this guy. Like, I know exactly who it is he's reading about. I walked with him. So let me say this to you. To answer the call to make a disciple... It's going to sound really intimidating on the front end. But if you'll answer the call to go, God has you uniquely qualified to help the person who's asking Jesus, calling out to him, I want to be saved. Like, you're uniquely qualified. God's been preparing you for this person. This person could be at Baldwin's or the Walmart distribution center in North Platte. Or, you know, they, they could be working at your small business. They could be your neighbor. They could be a family member. They could be a child that you're raising inside of your own home. But you're uniquely qualified. Like you don't have to freak out and be worried about it. God will put you in a place to hit the ball out of the park. Why? Because he loves people. He loves people. Philip is such a great example for us here. His willingness just to hear the call and to be sent. It, 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 like it modeled what his master, what his teacher, 
What his rabbi was saying to him, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus said these words to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Like Philip was one of those guys. He was like, man, I'm, I'm going to go. I'll pray for workers to go into the field, but I'm going to go. So church, one of the things that answered the call of making a disciple is that we also need to be people that are willing to pray, Jesus, the world is your harvest field. Would you send more Christians? Would you, would you help them to have the faith to hear the call to go and make more disciples for you? But let me just challenge you at one more depth. I think we also need to be willing to say this, Jesus, would you help me to answer the call and be sent? Would you help me? It's not just about praying that others would go. It's about give me faith to trust what you say and that I will go. And a part of answering the call is taking the step, guys, of water baptism. And today we've got a number of people doing that. I just want to say, I think it's incredible. And even Philip was driving the point home. Like he was just like pushing, pushing, pushing what it meant to make, make a follower of Jesus Christ. Even to the point where he was telling the Ethiopian, look, man, what you need to do now that you believe, right? Now that you've called on the name of Jesus and you're saved, the next thing you got to do is you got to get baptized in water. Now, how do I know that that's what Philip was saying to him? Because of what the Ethiopian said. Take a look in verse 36. As they rode along in the chariot together, right, they came to some water, and the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch said, look, Philip, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized right now? See how important it was? It was, this, it was one of like the building blocks. It was like the, the essentials of Christianity for the early church, and we haven't lost that tradition all the way to this day. Why? Because water baptism is vitally important for the new believer. Here's why it's important. First off, you're following the example of Jesus. Jesus did it. That's important to follow the example of Jesus. Secondly, though, you're making a public statement that you've committed your life to Christ and you're making it in front of this entire audience that's here with us today. Right? And so that's a public display now of like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's awesome. But you're also partaking in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And you go, well, how, how are you partaking in the death and the resurrection of Jesus? Well, here's what Romans has to say about it. It says that, for we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. We take, we take our sinful self into the water. We come, we leave all of the sin, like Jesus took all of the sin of humanity into the grave. We leave the sin there, and we rise again like Jesus rose again to live anew. We rise again to live for Christ a new life. We come out of the water, it's as if we leave all of the filth there. Like if you're me, they held me underneath the water for a long time and shook me to get all the filth out. We don't practice that here at New Life. We believe that just the simple immersion, full water, and then come back up. There's no more holding people for certain lengths of time. All right? So just FYI, if you were worried about that, don't worry about it. All right? We left that tradition like three months ago. So, yeah, it's just full immersion. It's like, man, in the water and I'm back out. Why? Because it's, a, it's, a, it's a partaking in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And today, man, 14 people are doing that. I'm so, I'm so like ecstatic for them. 
what is this like to answer the call? So let's say that you've already answered the call of the Lord to be baptized in water. What does it mean then to continue to answer the call to make disciples? Like you took that step. That's an essential step that you got to do. What would be the next step? Well, let's just go back and summarize Romans 10 really quick, right? For someone to call on Jesus, someone has to answer the call from Jesus. Here's what it would mean for you. If you've already taken the step of water baptism, just do this. Just keep answering the call from Jesus and be intentional about it. I mean, I know that it was short-lived, but Philip was very intentional when he jumped into the chariot and he rode along with the, with the Ethiopian eunuch. That was intentional. Like, he got into his life. I know it was short-lived, but he did it. All right? And I think for, for you and me, we really kind of need to, like, look at our lives and we need to answer, you know, for ourselves this really important question. Am I intentionally putting myself in situations where God can use me to help others call on Jesus? Am I intentionally doing that? Am I purposefully, like Philip did, like am I purposefully, intentionally putting myself in situations with people who need to call on Jesus? Guys, like for me as a pastor, it's, you got to work doubly as hard as a pastor to put yourself in situations where people are calling on Jesus. Because look, I, I, I could come in here on Monday morning, and I'm here on Friday morning. Right, so how do I get out of this environment and get into the community? Because it's in the community where people are calling on the name of Jesus. So here's what I do. I just use things that are natural to me. Like I like to play hockey. There's conversations that I'm going to have in the locker room of, of a hockey arena or in the, the corridor of a, of a hockey arena that I'm never, ever going to have at my office. Why? Because that person's never coming to my office. I love to drink coffee. That's why sometimes you'll see me working at a coffee shop instead of working, you know, my many hours that day in my office only so that I can get into the community because there are unique conversations by picking the right coffee shop at the right time, right? There's unique conversations that happen in that coffee shop that I would never have anywhere else. It's awesome. I love to fly. So I'm using this pilot piloting thing and this airplane to like figure out how to like build relationships and I just had a really unique interaction with a guy last week I'm just using things that are part of my life but listen to me hear me super well oh by the way I use my house I actually have a house you could have an apartment it's something that you have invite people over to it because listen to me most of what I'm doing as your pastor to make disciples is this inviting people to come be with me did you hear that? Just come be with me. That's most of what I do. Now, they don't know that I've invited them to come play hockey with me because I signed up for the same league that they're in. They don't know that, but that's what my heart is. Just come be with me. Just come be with me. I would highly encourage you to do the same thing because for some people to believe, they have to hear it, not just in your words. They're going to have to hear it lived out in your life. How are they going to hear it lived out in your life if you don't call them to come be with you? Remember the first call of Jesus? The first call of Jesus to his disciples wasn't, hey guys, go to the ends of the earth. The first call of Jesus was, come be with me. So you want to know what it means to follow the call to make a disciple? It has little to do with how much Bible knowledge you have or how spiritual you think you are. It has everything to do with your willingness to invite people just to come and be with you. Don't ever give up on inviting people to church. 
please never belittle and never forget the power of inviting people just to be a part of your life. So after I pray, we're going to begin our baptisms. Remember what we do at baptisms? Okay, all right, all right. That's kind of like the priming of the pump right there, right? Those are the people that will initiate, the rest of you follow, okay? But before we do that, what you're getting ready to witness is, is a part of what it means to make a disciple. And I'm very excited for them. They're taking, they're taking a massive step because this step is required for them to now turn around and start making disciples. But here's my challenge to you. At our next water baptism, have someone getting baptized because of you. That's my challenge. The next time we do a water baptism, what would it be like if you're sitting out there and someone's getting baptized because of you? And you would go, that sounds pretty prideful. Not according to Romans chapter 10. Because you answered the call to be sent to make a disciple. Some will be baptized because they were now able to call on the name of Jesus. Wouldn't that be an exciting day? Let's all strive for that together. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, we say yes to your call. We say yes to your ways today. Lord, you, you blow my mind away sometimes. Like, I, I just can't figure it out. Like, why you would even want us to be a part of your play when we're sinful people, we screw things up left and right. Help us to be sensitive to the voice of your spirit in our life, that you would direct us exactly where we need to be with the right people at the right time, and we would just take advantage. We would begin with the door you opened for us. That's all you're asking for us to do. Begin with the door you opened for us. You want to open doors left and right for us because, Lord, you love people and you want everyone to call upon your name and be saved. But to be saved, they got to believe. And to believe, they have to hear. And to hear, someone has to tell them. And that means that someone has to answer the call and be sent. May this church be a church that answers the call of Christ to go and to make disciples. Lord, I pray that in the, in the power and the authority of Jesus' name. Lord, we pray right now for those that are getting ready to be baptized, you know, here at our second service, that, Lord, we just, we just ask that, Lord, there would be something powerful and unique that happens in their spiritual journey as they take this leap of faith and they connect their self with you in a greater form than they ever have before. I pray that today would be a day where their salvation is renewed and the purpose and the call of Christ would be heard um, in their ears, loud and clear, and they would get out of that water and walk with excitement and with passion and with freedom like they've never walked before. So Lord, may you use this day to be a day of life-giving to those, and may it be a day where we go out and give life to others. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.